Hi, and welcome back to NFL Game Time Podcast with your hosts, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. The football season is just a few weeks away. We're going to go team by team, division by division in the AFC and break down each team with the unrealistic expectations and what defines a successful season for each team as it obviously depends on where each team is uh, in the winning or rebuilding uh, development stage. So, Shy, let's get right into it because it's game, game time. time. So, we'll start with the East and let's start with the Buffalo Bills. I think a team that's the heavy favorite to win this division. Obviously, a breakout year for Josh Allen, uh, challenging Aaron Rodgers for the MVP award, got a huge monster mega deal uh, this offseason to basically be in Buffalo for the next eight seasons. What I think for this Bills team, you know, we can talk about winning the division. We can talk about a deep playoff run. And we know, obviously, the Chiefs are going to be a tough out, assuming, you know, they stay healthy. But I feel like it's Super Bowl or bust for the Bills because I think anything less is just, you know, either remaining in neutral of last year or going to be worse. So if this is, you know, they're a young team, they're well coached, so you have to figure it's Super Bowl or bust. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's... I, it's just building for this team. They're, they're really well-rounded, one of the most complete teams in football, one of the most well-coached teams in football. It's just about not hitting that regression, which is a hard thing, especially you know for a quarterback like Josh Allen, who's, you know... Had such a great year that mm-hmm. it's almost tough not to regress. Exactly. So I think just once, you know, not, not hitting that hump... Uh, I think I think this team is going to be phenomenal. I think Super Bowl or bust is is uh, is right for these for the aspirations of this Buffalo Bills team. So now let's focus on the other teams in this division because I think it gets a little more interesting with the range of outcomes uh, being vast for a couple of these teams. Starting with the Miami Dolphins, a team that surprised a lot of people, myself included, went ten and six. Seemed to be ahead of the curve in their rebuilding stages, just missing out on the postseason. Where are the Dolphins in among the landscape in the AFC? A team that I think definitely should compete with a playoff spot, but I also think that this season could easily be judged on the development of Tua Tungavailoa, who's going into his second year after, you know, a pretty disappointing rookie season. Obviously, he was okay, but nothing spectacular, and you hope to see him make that year one to year two jump that we that we tend to see a lot in a in young quarterbacks. Yeah, it's his team. You know the training wheels are off, and you need to go and you know climb the mountain, ride the bike. You know you 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 can't. Uh, this is a team that's hungry. It's young, uh, both in the uh, with the young head coach and Brian Flores, who's shown to really be fantastic. And a, and a team, a defense that was dominant last year. Should still have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. And exactly. You look at, really, this entire division is so well coached. Um, I think this, we'll see what Robert Salah is with the Jets, but I think you can make the case that the AFC East has the best coaches, the best coaching division in football. I, I, I think you certainly can. I think the playoffs, though, have to be... Um, is it playoffs or bust, though? If Tua... Is it... What's maybe more important, making the playoffs or seeing significant progress in Tua's game? I think I think it's got him. 
I think they're both really important, but I think making the playoffs is huge. So if Tua is the same as last year, doesn't take any steps in the right direction, but they make the playoffs, obviously, you know, from a short-term perspective, I would agree with you, but from a long-term, taking a look at it from a long-term angle, what good, I, mean, I know it's good to get playoff experience under your belt, but does what good, if any, does that do the Dolphins? If two, if there's still if there's still questions surrounding that franchise quarterback, which they haven't had since Marino, I I think they're both. Um, I think I think you need to do, you're gonna need both. And I think one comes with the other, and I think being competitive and winning games is gonna be it's gonna be on Tua. And yes, they can win with that defense, and they're not gonna win necessarily because of him. But they're gonna need he's gonna need to be good enough to win with. And I think what the Dolphins want to do. I believe they went seven and three though in games he started last year. Now, obviously, you know Fitzpatrick did and finished some of those close games, which is why they won. But even maybe taken out, they were still what five? Then what five and four or six six and four? Then five like they were still good, not great, but they were still good in games started by Tua. They just weren't winning because of Tua. So that formula can be the same this year. They go. I guess what eleven and six, and if Tua, but if if they're not winning, yeah, I'm not saying they have to win solely because of Tua, but if Tua is the same as last year, yeah, what does that mean for the Dolphins long term? Even if they make the playoffs, because I think that puts a cat. I think Tua not developing at least at the rate we see some other quarterbacks. I think that puts a pretty firm ceiling on what the Dolphins' chances of possibly making a deep run the playoffs can be for the next three or four years if you know if Tua doesn't take those necessary steps. I think I think that winning now is the forefront of this organization's mind. And I think it should be. I think obviously Tua they want him to be the best he can be. Um, obviously. But I think that well he's gonna be asked to be a high level game manager this year. That's I agree what with he's going to be asked to do. And if he can execute that effectively... Then it's taking the next step in your development. Taken, exactly. You've taken that next step, and that's going to be necessary for them to make the playoffs, in my opinion. So I think it's going to be one with the other uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so we have semi-high expectations for the Dolphins. This is definitely a team, again, with that extra wild card spot. It's really incredible, even with the extra wild card spot, a team that goes 10-6, and six, misses out on the playoffs, just goes to show you how competitive the AFC was last year, and potentially how competitive the AFC can be this year. So, Dolphins, very good defense, very good secondary, extremely well coached, should be at least in position to compete for one of those wild card spots. Now let's go to the team that's really dominated the 21st century. The New England Patriots. New quarterback, I guess, you know, Cam Newton was there last year, but in and out, he was on the COVID list. Mac Jones drafted. What can we expect from the New England Patriots? Because even with as ugly as it looked last year, they still won 7-9. and nine. Yeah, I think the Patriots, what, what they're... This is a team that wants to be back in the playoffs. This is a team that is going to be really trying to be really competitive and be in every game, and that's a, that's what the Belichick mantra is. I think that that's why they drafted Mac Jones. I think they knew that Cam Newton isn't that guy. At least, well, I think they think he can potentially make some 
do some thing, nice things this year. But I, I mean, they know he's not the long term answer. They know that if they want they if they want another decade or so of success, they know that Cam won't won't be that guy. But right. I don't know. Is it out of the? I think Mac Jones is going to start pretty early. Uh, I do. I think. I think, so too. I think with the tra- Trevor Lawrence being the lone exception in this rookie class, I think it's very uh, much in the realm of possibility that Mac Jones is the second rookie quarterback uh, to be named the starter. I I think I think that's that's I completely agree with you. I think that Cam Newton for, from the body of work that we saw last year, he's looked much better in the preseason. I'll give him that. But I do agree that the it seems like the end is near for Cam. Right. Obviously done some great things went to a super bowl but it really seems like he's gotten beat up so much and the injuries have just piled up yeah i I almost never say this but it almost seems like maybe they'll give the benefit of the doubt to the rookie uh after a short period of time just because of some of the issues that he had throwing the football and taking hits last year and uh, you know just taking care of the football that's what they want to do in doing and they want to play good defense they want to take care of that football and execute a solid kind of west coast short passing scheme and I don't think that Cam Newton gives them the best chance to win and do that um, in this in in the system that Josh McDaniels is running. So I think it's going to be Ken Mac Jones, kind of with the, better weapons: Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Nelson Aguilar. Are the Patriots will they be able to compete for a playoff spot? Not saying they'll make the playoffs, but. Come mid to late December, will they be competing for a playoff spot? I say they will be in the thick of things in, in, in December. I will say that I don't think they will. Do you think Miami does? I think Miami does. I, I have okay. them penciled in as my seventh seed. What's interesting... Uh, so, uh, last year, I know I guess, Pittsburgh, I guess Pittsburgh probably won't make... I'm trying to think of where all these teams fit in. Because Miami didn't last year, and you look at a lot of the teams ahead of them, I expect to see... A lot of those teams making the playoffs are at least in the thick of it. Then I don't know if Miami's better. Then we'll get to a team that did not make it last year that we both expect to make a big run later. But so you have Miami making it as what the seven probably around the seventh probably seed, the seventh, yeah. and then New England being competitive but just missing again. I think though, uh, you know, I don't. It's not playoffs or bust though in my mind for New England because I think there's room to be made as a team as an as an organization in the post Brady era. And then also, you know, you're assessing that Mac Jones and the potential that he has, and if he can be uh, the possible post Brady long term answer. Obviously, not an easy situation to come into, but with upgrades on offense, it's obviously a more appealing situation than it was uh, one year ago. Absolutely, I, I think I can I can get behind that. I think playoffs are the are the goal, but it's not a failed season by any means if that that doesn't happen. Right. So now the New York Jets, where I think you know, we talked about Mac Jones and Tua Tonga Viola. I feel like the season is entirely based on developing Zach Wilson, making sure he's up to date with the speed of the NFL, his new system there in New York. It's all about Zach Wilson and his development, as this is a team that I think might be picking in the, you know, at no fault of Zach Wilson's own, but might be picking in the top five to seven picks next year. I think that's right. I think it's about Zach Wilson and it's about Robert Sala. What We said this before uh, on the last podcast. What culture can he instill? Can he take some of that that energy, that competition, that that fire that he brought with San Francisco and transfer that into an organization that's really been, I'll say, sad of late? So I I, I would like... Of late? 
in the past decade and change. Uh, but I, I, I think primarily the micros- the microscope will be on Zach Wilson and then everything he does in that market in New York will be uh, hyper-analyzed and he'll have to navigate that. It's going to be what, he, what he's going to do on the field, what he's going to do off the field. And uh, how he manages that pressure is going to be huge, Alex. And I think he's... You know, unlike Darnold, I think he's going to be given more of a chance to succeed, given what the Jets have done around uh, the quarterback position. I mean, with Darnold, I feel like was really, you know, put out there and fed to the wolves. With Wilson, Mackay Becton is entering his second year. They drafted Elijah Vera Tucker, who I think can be a really good guard in this league. They signed even a veteran, <clears throat> a veteran like Morgan Moses, a guy who, not the long-term answer, but a guy who can, I think, hold the fort down and just provide some sort of veteran stability among that offensive line. And then you look what they did uh, in the receiving core. Drafting Elijah Moore in the second round. Signing Corey Davis. This Jets offense as a whole just should be a better group. uh, Just more fundamentally sound as well. So I expect Zach Wilson to, we'll see what he is as a quarterback. But I think, you know, at least early on, year one, given how much the Jets are rebuilding. Uh, Zach Wilson, I think, will have a chance uh, to thrive, at least more so than Darnold ever did. I, I think I think that's right. This division is going to be really interesting to watch uh, for a variety of reasons, both the development of three uh, young, promising quarterbacks, but I mean, also... Josh, Josh Allen's the old man of the group. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But also, you know watching a player that broke out last year try to maintain that high level of play. Sounds good. So now let's move on. AFC North, another division that seems like there's maybe a bit of a changing of the guard. It's really been dominated over the last decade by the Steelers with the Ravens as well. But the Cleveland Browns, after um, uh, decades of paper bags over their heads and just amazement of how mismanaged that organization were, was... Um, they're right in it. They're right in it in the playoffs, in the division. I know you're probably higher on the Browns than I am, but uh, this is just really well, you know, believe it or not, well-coached, well-managed, and just all-around really good football team. I absolutely agree. They've done all the necessary moves. Uh, they've got really everything in place. It's one of the most complete teams in the NFL, Alex. It's just about... Uh, taking what's on paper and putting it on the football field. And uh, that doesn't always pan out, but I think this year this is a team that I have penciled in to win the division. Um, I think that the defense is probably a top 10 unit in the NFL for sure. I mean, you saw preseason game one, Jeremiah Usukormoa was everywhere. And so he's looking like that kind of that chess piece that Kevin Stefanski and company can kind of move around and you know we both like that pick in the second round but again it's only preseason but he was one for me a standout guy uh you know preseason not just kind of the rookie quarterbacks that always get that big headline so I really like what I saw from Uusu Koromoa so if they can have him manning kind of the middle of the field would be an even bigger boost to go along with Denzel Ward and of course uh Clowney and Miles Garrett up front yeah, and that secondary is going to need to take a huge jump as well. They've they've added so much talent there of John Johnson and, and Troy, Hill, Troy Hill, both from the Rams, who we exactly. mentioned in the last podcast. You know that might hurt the Rams a little, as now they're both in Cleveland. That secondary should be better. 
Uh, I guess... And even yeah. LSU guys coming back with Greedy Williams, Greedy and Williams. Grant he, Delpit. He, yeah, he, Williams needs to take a, a step, though. He's been a bit of a disappointment, I think, to this point. I, I think they still need... And I think Greedy Williams can absolutely be that guy, but they need someone to step up in that cornerback two role alongside Denzel Ward, especially with NFL offices going four, even sometimes five wide. You know, I really like Troy Hill, but he's more of a uh, cor- slot corner. You know, guys like John Johnson, Grant Delpit, I think they're really good safety. So I guess, like, if we're nitpicking, and really just nitpicking here, I need to see some development from maybe a guy like Greedy Williams or someone else to step up uh, alongside Denzel Ward to be that cornerback, outside cornerback, too. I, I think that's a, that's a very fair thing to say. But you look at the rest of this team, there's not a lot to, to poke and prod at here. But I really do think this is uh, a team that's going to translate to a lot of wins. And I'm a little bit concerned about how they'll do in the playoffs because of the scheme that they run and, and how how much can Baker Mayfield take this team. That's really the biggest concern for me. But other than that, I think this is going to be a team that wins a lot of football games. Yeah, I'm just incredibly uh, just well put together. We talked about a year ago how terrible that offensive line was in 2019, 2020. Uh, obviously, Wyatt Teller really stepped up. Dredrick Wills was rock solid. They signed Jack Conklin. So, really, in one off season, they completely rebuilt the entire offensive line, and all of a sudden, it's one of the best units in the league today. So, Browns really well put off. I know you have them winning the division. I'm going to go with another team, though, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. <clears throat> First of all, you have the Ravens making it as a wild card, I have the Browns making it as a wild card. So, we both have these two teams making it into the playoffs just kind of in reverse order you will see Lamar Jackson uh he was on the COVID list I think he still was feeling some of the effects when he first came off uh last year so we'll see you know can he be 100% healthy and he should be feeling much better kind of from week one through the end of the season uh but I I just I really like this defense for Baltimore that they're also incredibly well coached the one concern for me, though, is Ronnie Stanley coming off a significant injury. Obviously, Ravens, they traded away Orlando Brown. I didn't. Lo- I, I like the return, but I didn't love the overall trade. Uh, so I think that that trade will uh, just make the importance of Ronnie Stanley coming back healthy even more important. Yeah, I, I think that the this Ravens line is going to need to be solid. I think... They will be uh, good enough, especially with Lamar Jackson being as mobile as he is. Um, and I think the secondary has been quite good. I w- I'm wondering... One of the better secondaries in the NFL. Exactly. Um, I think the, the things to pick at here are... One is, the first thing that comes to mind is, can Lamar Jackson be that guy in the passing game? That's always been the question. And It hasn't helped, though. Bateman's out with an injury. Uh, Sammy Watkins had to leave practice with an injury. So they've dealt with some serious injuries to the wide receiver core. I know Hollywood, uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown has had some lingering issues uh, injury-wise. So that's also a main concern is, yes, you know, I'm going to stick with the Ravens from now, but if some of these injuries, especially if Ronnie Stanley doesn't come back 100%, continue to linger throughout the season, even, pro- even possibly past September, that's where I think... Cl- Cleveland might become the favorite in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think the the thing with the Ravens is I like this Browns defense better. 
I I don't know how much utility the Ravens had on that defensive line. I think Patrick Queen, uh, second year, can really make a step up. I like in the linebacking core, but who's rushing the passer, Alex? Yeah, Calais like, Campbell and that's definitely a concern. No, it's, I'm definitely with you. That's definitely a concern. Uh, Calais Campbell does probably need help, and he's also older. I just think though, there's an argument to me made that the Ravens are the best secondary in the NFL, and I think when you have that. It can make up for some of the deficiencies. They drafted Odafe Owe out of Penn State, who I think at that spot I really liked. So I, I really like uh, that selection. But he's a project. He's, no, he's definitely a project, but I think we've seen the Ravens do great things with projects. They're incre- their player development is truly one of the best in the NFL and has been over the last decade. So I think a guy like Owe pairing him uh, on the edge and then with Campo on the interior – I think that can be a you know a really nice duo to go along with a very strong secondary. So I think the secondary can help make up for some of the deficiencies, and I'm also banking on uh, the Ravens' great player development continuing with a guy like Owe. Yeah, I just think there are a couple question marks. I think I think every more for the every Ravens. team has question marks. And right. I think also the Browns. I mean, they were obviously very good last year. They beat the Steelers in the postseason, but. We still need to see them beat Baltimore. Remember, there's that great back and forth game that the Ravens ultimately won. So I also, for Cleveland, I still I want to see them almost prove that they are the best in the division before going out and picking them. Because you know we've seen from Cleveland every time we think they show promise, the wheels tend to fall off. Now I don't think that's the case this year, but in my mind, I think the Ravens have proved it more just as an organization. Uh, than Cleveland. So I want to see Cleveland go out and prove it, uh, not just making the playoffs, but winning the division. Because uh, I, I also, just from a talent perspective, I think these are these two teams are very close to begin with. Yeah, I, I just I think that the, the Ravens have struggled against really good teams. I think the Browns have as well, but I, I just think against especially really good defenses, and they have two in their division, the Ravens have struggled against against top ten defenses. It's just, it's they, I think the Ravens have have also some limitations. I think they're going to show more this year. I think I don't blame you for picking, you know, the Ravens because they're more of a proven thing than the Browns. But, um, I I I think I think both of these teams will be very competitive. So now let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who a decade of great football, but knows obviously have not won the Super Bowl since what oh nine or what was it, it the oh nine super bowl mm-hmm. it was oh eight oh the oh eight season oh nine super bowl exactly so the steelers team you know um, um a staple of this team was the offensive line for years david DeCastro, and you know really being one of the leaders pouncy another one they're both gone pouncy retirement the castro cut but there's also questions of you know is he really willing to join another team will he retire there's a, I have a lot of... Con- the defense is going to be very good. The, I expect the defense to be very good, led by Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt, Joe Hayden as well. But this offense, I don't I just don't know what to make of it. I think they have talent in Dante Johnson and Chase Claypool. Juju Smith-Schuster obviously re-signed in the offseason. But I think Ben isn't the same guy he once was, obviously. And I think he needs the best protection of his career. Because he's not, he's not going to escape the pocket. He's pretty much, at this point, just a pocket passer. And I, in my mind, he's dealing with one of the worst offensive lines he has, maybe his whole career, if not for the last 10 to 12 years. 
Yeah, the the offensive line is for sure the biggest question mark on this team, and uh, and it's when Ben needs and it's when Ben needs it the most. Yeah, I I I think there are some guys there. I think you're going to be asking a lot of young players who haven't proven a lot. There's 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 been signs of promise with, with Chuck Sokor for. Uh, you know, uh, has been a very good pass protector for them, but it's been a little bit of a liability in the run game. Kevin Dotson as a rookie looked good. Trey Turner coming off of injury, they're he's being expected to do a lot. They're having a third round rookie, Kendrick Green, start at center, right. and then Zach Banner, who's only started one NFL game against your New York Giants, and I and believe he tore his ACL. ACL. So he, you know, obviously you hope he comes back at full strength, but you really don't know what to expect from him. Exactly. A coming off a major injury, but also. Really hasn't played in two years. Yeah, so you're dealing with a young line that's shown promise, but really lacks a lot of experience, um, uh, except for Turner, who's come off of injury. But I think uh, I would expect the run game to improve, not just because of Najee Harris, just because you can't get any worse than what they did last year. I think Ben's accuracy, especially as it goes in the season, is going to fade. He's becoming more... I know he still can air it out at times throughout a year, but I feel like he's slowly but surely becoming more of a dink and dunk than a I'm going to throw for 5,000 yards over the course of the season. He used to be that guy. He used to be consistently at or near the top in passing yards. Now he's more relying on yards after the catch. I, I absolutely agree. They've got all the weapons. It's just about can, can the quarterback and the offensive line come together, build that cohesion, and allow this offense to really function with the rhythm. Um, which is something they had at the beginning of the season, but then really lost it as kind of the Lions started to wear down and along with Ben. Uh, so I think, the, but I think on the bright side, this defense will carry them to win a lot of football games this, this season. I don't think, it, as a Steelers fan saying this, I think I can be pretty unbiased. I don't have them making the playoffs, but I do think they'll be right in the thick of things. And I think if something goes wrong with Miami, they'll get that seventh seed. Yeah, I think they could definitely battle for that seventh seed, but at the same time, I think right now they're probably, at least heading into the year, a distant third. Not not a huge distant, but I think the Ravens and Browns in my mind have solidified themselves as the two top teams heading into the season. As we know, though, Steelers always are competitive, regardless of the situation. They seem to, you know, exceed expectations. So the Steelers definitely should... You know, just because of how well run that organization has been, how well coached they are by Mike Tomlin, that definitely should be an organization that, you know, can possibly squeak into the playoffs. It just seems like it could be the end of an era in Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger. I believe this is, what, the last year of his contract? This is the last year of his contract. I believe it will be his last year in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. That is the belief. I I would think it'd be the last year of his career, not just in Pittsburgh, but I I I would assume... He yeah. would, and he's going to announce his retirement, but definitely a changing of the guard at quarterback potentially after this year, and definitely a changing of the guard at the offensive line, which has been one of the best in the NFL over the last decade. Yeah, I, I think you're trying to see what happened was wearing down with kind of getting old at that position. Right, they overhaul with youth, but guys who have either struggled with injury or have really lacked experience. So, right, they probably may have started a bit of a youth movement sooner to kind of make it more of a smooth transition while with a good mix of old and young instead of going from all old to all young. So now let's go to the final team in the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals, as they have talent, but you know my view. You take Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. 
I don't know. I'll never understand that move. Just from a strategy standpoint, I don't understand that move. I don't know. Maybe Sue ends up being a bust, and Jamar Chase is incredible and has an unbelievable rookie year and an unbelievable career. And that could that could very well be the case. But from a strategy standpoint, I don't understand the thought process of taking a wide receiver over an offensive tackle, especially when, I mean, look, we make a big deal out of Joe Burrow tearing his ACL, and as we should, but it's not like he was perfectly protected and then there's a fluke play. Like, he was getting hit time and time and time again. The offensive line was failing him throughout the year, even before he tore his ACL on a contact play. It wasn't like he misstepped and tore his ACL non-contact. He got hit. That's why he tore his ACL. The Cincinnati Bengals and Marmon, not because of Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow, but they're the worst team in this division, in my mind. And you hear Joe Burrow. He's even struggling to regain confidence. He even admitted that, you know, he's been very tender when he steps up in the pocket. He's, you know, his instinct is to, okay, quickly get the ball out or don't, you know, land hard on that knee in fear of getting hit. So... Yeah, obviously, you know, some of it will be training, but a lot of that's instinct, which is very tough to overcome, especially early. I like Joe Burrow. He's very talented. We saw last year, but again, they have a very good wide receiving core, but other than that, they don't have a lot going for them. Their defense is very iffy at best. They replaced Trey Hendrickson with Carl Lawson. Trey Hendrickson was great last year. But Carl Lawson has been more consistent, so I kind of view that as more of a downgrade. They lost William Jackson in free agency. The Cincinnati Bengals, for me, may have gotten a little worse this offseason. And, oh yeah, your quarterback, the one bright spot, is coming off a torn ACL, which also occurred pretty late in the year last year. Yeah, Cincinnati is a team that are probably picking the top 10 of this draft. Uh, this is an offense that, if the line plays well if they play much above the way that they're expected to based on their based off the way they are on paper could be high powered but if this you, is one of the worst offensive lines i like jonah williams outside of jonah williams though this is one of the worst offensive lines in the league they also passed on guys like Tevin jenkins i know he's injured but i still like jenkins they passed on liam eichenberg in the second round they passed on a lot of great offensive line talent in both in both round in both the first and second round Joe Burrell might need, you know, life alert. Yeah. They went with a Ferrari, but they don't have any car insurance. One crash, and they're done. I, it, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm beginning to think they're, they're not really learning. I think the defense will be better. I'll say that. Uh, it will be, but I think Carl, Carl Lawson and Trey Hendrickson, I like Carl Lawson better. I know Carl, he just tore his Achilles, but from a talent perspective, I think that might be a downgrade. And then they also lost William Jackson. I think that's right, but I think that 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 they'll with another year of cohesion. They added Mike Hilton. I think was a they did a good pickup. I mean, I very I very well could see this defense not getting better and potentially even getting worse. I think that I th- I don't know. I think that it's it's uh, an area where there it's still I I think we both agree though it's still an area of weakness. Even if even if it gets better, it's not getting better to the point right. where all of a sudden we're impressed by it. It's still a. It's exactly. going to be a bottom half of the league defense with probably with potentially to be even worse than that. Yeah, I think I think that's right. So now let's go to the AFC South, a division that is really up for grabs in my mind, at least. I think it's 
you know, pretty much a two-team race, but I think it's kind of up for grabs. I don't think one team is decisively better than the other, although you're giving me a look. No, I... Go, go ahead, Alex. I, I, it's between the Colts and Titans. I think we agree with that. I probably, because there's some question marks about Carson Wentz, about how great he was with Frank Reich, but obviously he's dealt with injuries and has not looked the part with Philly over the last couple of years before getting traded over to Indianapolis. So I'd probably right now put the Titans just for because we've seen it more with them. We've seen them working together, and they're just, I think, going to be greater consistency. So I think that's why Tennessee is ahead of the Colts for the division. But I definitely think the Colts, who went 10-6 and six with Philip Rivers, who was good last year, but I think the potential of Carson Wentz, if he's healthy and he had the toe injury, but if he's healthy, I think Carson Wentz can be better than what Philip Rivers was last year. I th- I think that's absolutely right. I just think that the Tennessee Titans are better team. I think this uh, that offense is... Colts defense is better. I would say the Colts defense is better than the Colts offense with Carson Wentz has, has maybe a higher ceiling. I think that's... I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I agree with the last part. I think that this running game is, in my opinion, the best in football at this point. Titans? I think it's the Titans. That's fair. I, at the same time, though, I would say that I think the Colts have a better offensive line. And especially, we'll, we'll see left tackle be, you know, depending on what Brandon Smith plays, let's, but if he plays at right tackle, left tackle might be you know a bit of a revolving door until Eric Fisher gets back. So that is definitely a concern. But once Eric Fisher gets back, I think the Colts have a better offensive line. And I think Jonathan Taylor, yes, he's not Derrick Henry, but I think Jonathan Taylor can you know hold his own plenty and uh, be a very good running back. And I think, so yes, the Titans might have a better running game, but I think the Colts can still have a very good running game. And again, I think I'm a big Ryan Tannehill fan, and I think he gives you more stability, which is extremely important at the quarterback position. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say the Colts have a higher ceiling given what we saw a bit, you know, what, four or five years ago from once. But still, that was also the last time or one of the last times we saw him with Frank Reich. I think Carson, that's a lot to expect from Carson after an injury and after the body of work he put up the last two seasons. I think you a higher ceiling, I, but... I'm also picking Tennessee to win this division. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page there. I think it's going to be very I also think Tennessee's defense has improved. I think that their front seven is surprisingly... They got rid of Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler. I know they drafted Caleb Farley, but you're asking a lot for a a rookie cornerback. They got rid of their two best corners. I mean, I think I know Malcolm Butler wasn't great, but... They still have Kevin Byard in that secondary. I think it's a very underrated safety. And I, I also think that Rush, again, will help coverage. I feel like a broken record, but... You have Rashawn Evans coupled with Bud Dupree, Harold Landry. Uh, that was a Jeremy Simmons uh, on Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons me, is, Jeffrey. is an animal in the middle. I there. really do like Simmons on the interior. You've got a solid front yeah. seven, right? No, you do. You do. I'd still probably put the Colts' defense ahead of Tennessee's defense. I, I think that's uh, right. And look, I, although I think Bud Dupree will have a, will be good with the Titans, I don't think I would have given him the contract that Tennessee did. I know it might not matter when he produces on the field, but, you know, from that, I I was very skeptical of that contract for five years especially. But, uh, look, I think these—I expect both teams to make the playoffs, again, assuming they remain healthy. 
And again, I think Carson Wentz provides more than Rivers did last year, and the Colts made the and the Colts made the playoffs last year. So again, unless like you know Quentin Nelson had the toe injury, unless that injury becomes something way bigger, then maybe we can talk about the Colts possibly missing the postseason. But as of now, well, I, Carson Wentz is going to miss time. He he very well could. We thought well. It's he may to, he may not. But at the same time, we thought we thought he would definitely miss time. Now it's you know now it's oh there's some optimism. If he misses the first five six weeks of the season, that's a different story. But if he doesn't miss any time or even misses just one or two weeks, I don't think that's going to change much of the narrative. But are we assuming that he's going to even be a hundred percent at that point? I think it's I think that's a large jump to make for a guy. If a guy's if a guy's gonna be fully healthy by then, and I don't, I probably don't think that's the case if he starts right away. And I will say, just for me, I think both teams have playoff aspirations. I I have the Titans winning this division. I think the Colts will be in the thick of things. I don't have them making the playoffs. You don't. I don't. Okay. I'm trying to think. It's close because I think it's it's close between. I think it might come down to them in Miami again, just like last year. And I think it's going to, it might be like, what do you get from your quarterback? I think, because I think both teams have great defenses. Both teams, I, I like the Colt offensive line more. So here's, I like the Colt, I probably, and I know Tua provides great upside. They signed Will Fuller, drafted Jalen Waddle. I probably still right now like the Colt offense slightly more than the Dolphins offense. I think that's fair, but I think with, the Dolphins' it, defense and and the fact that they're probably better coached. I I, I guess they are, but I, I really like Frank Reich as a coach, and I think the Colts are extremely well-run and well-coached as well. Yeah. I also think that Tua has, two, for all Tua's mistakes, for all the things Tua's done, he doesn't turn the ball over that much. And I think that's the problem with Carson Wentz. It does. And I'm also thinking that I think Wentz will get better in that department. This year, I think a change of scenery was much needed for him and his camp. So I, I think Wentz is going to not return to his MVP form, but I think Wentz is going to have a very solid year in Indianapolis. And I think the Colts, it's going to be close, but I think they'll be able to squeeze into the playoffs. Okay. I can respect that take. So, and also I do think that this team, I don't think the Titans are definitively the favorite. I do think the Colts can give them, again, if healthy, which is a question mark, but if healthy, I think the Colts can give the Titans a run for their money. That's fair. So now let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I don't think they're finishing last in this division, which for them is a step up, I guess. But this season, if you're a Jags fan, it's not judged, just like the Jets, it's not judged by wins or losses in the least bit. It's all about making sure Trevor Lawrence is comfortable, you develop him the right way, and he just shows steady progression throughout his rookie season. That's the main thing for the Jags, all about building around your young rookie quarterback. They have some nice pieces. I like LaVisca Chanel and DJ Chark. They signed Marvin Jones. They franchise tag Cam Robinson, but that offensive line worries me a little bit. So I definitely think for next offseason, that should be a point of emphasis. But uh, it's all about it's all about uh you know Trevor Lawrence and then what kind of coach is Urban Meyer? I think we're gonna learn a lot about Urban Meyer one way or another. It should be interesting, but uh, this season in no way should be judged by wins or losses. But Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence should have a bright future. You know if they handle if they handle him correctly. Yeah, I I I absolutely agree. It's it's Lawrence a hundred percent. I there's not much. Uh, 
There's not much else I can I can say there. I think. Do I know we shouldn't put a win total, but do you think what this is a five win team? Six. I'd say four? five. I'd say the five to six range is is, is five to six. Right. That's what I'd put it. Yeah. So yeah, that's not much analysis in terms of their. It's more. This is obviously they're taking the long road, which is smart. Trevor Lawrence, I think. Trevor Lawrence, it wouldn't surprise me if he lights it up from day one, but bad offensive line and a still developing team. Uh, I think obviously a team that has the long run in sight, which is the right mindset if you're working for the Jaguars. Absolutely. So now we go to the Houston Texans. As I don't even know where to start with. Them. I don't even know where to start with them. They have some nice veterans, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson at running back, Brandon Cooks at receiver, Terod Taylor at quarterback. But this was a team that terrible defense, they were constantly relying on their offense, bad offensive line outside of really Laramie Tunsil, and now you don't have your star quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Obviously, you know, we'll see what happens with the Watson situation, but one way or another, it's you know, it seems like he's not gonna be eligible to play at the very least for week one, and the way things are trending possibly for the entire season. The Texans, I, I'll ask you this, Shy. Even if he's not ready whatsoever, at some point, if this season is just a complete lost season, do you put Davis Mills in just to see what you have? Because this team could easily have the number one overall pick when all is said and done. Sure you do. This, is, this season is for culture. It's to get something. It's to feel good about something. You want to feel good about something. Feel good about David Culley. Feel good about literally Nick, anything. Nick Cassero. Nick Cassero. If you want to, it, it's it's really about forgetting the past and moving into the future. And there's not going to be a lot to like. It's going to be a hard season. But it's almost like let's get this one. You know, let's put this. Let's get it in our back pocket. Let's full steam ahead, plow through it, and then let's get in the next off season and let's try to turn this around because. This is really a little bit of a nightmare situation for the head coach and David Colley and Nick Asario. So I, they don't have anything to work with. They're yeah. they're both of them are put in such a difficult spot where you can't judge the head coach, you can't judge the GM based on this season, and I mean he's not going to be the long term answer, obviously. But you can't even judge guys like Terod Taylor. So yeah, this season it's about you know finding maybe some hidden gems, finding some young guys that maybe can stick around for the long run. But obviously this is a team that's going to be in prime contention for the potential number one overall pick next year and the potential to maybe draft a, a franchise quarterback if, you know, the Deshaun Watson, assuming the Deshaun Watson situation doesn't get any better. Obviously Sam Howe, Spencer Rattler. Next year's quarterback class will be interesting. So I think Houston very well could have the pick uh, of the class. So, Shai, now let's go to the final division, and a division that should be very fun. A division that I think a lot of points are going to be scored, high-flying offenses, that's being the AFC West, obviously starting with the uh, pretend, or back-to-back uh, AFC champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, and led by uh, the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, as you know, Mahomes didn't look great in the preseason, but that's all about kind of getting your foot under you. It's Super Bowl or bust for the Chiefs. They are obviously going back. To, they went to back-to-back Super Bowls. I think, you know, the, what they did with the offensive line was one of the most impressive things, though, I think, across the NFL. This offensive line was older, injury-prone. Not injury-prone, but coming off big injuries. 
And they basically completely redid the entire thing. They signed Joe Tooney. They drafted Creed Humphrey. They traded for Orlando Brown. And, you know, they drafted a guy in the sixth round, Trey Smith, who many thought would go much higher, but due to some medical issues, he fell. All of a sudden, the Chiefs went from an offensive line disaster to, you look at it, one of the best offensive lines in football. So I expect big things from this Chiefs offensive line. I think it's got a good mix of youth and hoping for development, but also stability. I really like this Chiefs offensive line, and I feel like going into the offseason, that was their biggest weakness. I think that very well could be the case. Uh, and I think we should... That You know, if... if, if if you're in the Chiefs organization, that's what you that's what you want to do. That's that's incredible job by Brett Veach, their exactly. general manager. That Brett Veach did what he was, you know, needed to do with that situation. But you look at the defensive side of the ball, and you're kind of thinking, we've seen this defense be really good, but we've seen this defense also be really poor. We need we we need some consistency, and we need. Uh, really just some stability i think the demons can be good enough it's not gonna be great it might not even be very good but i think led by chris jones i expect chris jones kind of had a down year last year i'm not saying he's gonna have 15 and a half 16 sacks like he did two years ago but i think chris jones can have a bounce back year one thornhill guy showed signs but he just keeps getting injured if he stays on the field i really like him to pair with tyron matthew the yeah i think the secondary uh, there could be. There's definitely some question marks there. I don't know if Rashad Breland's number one corner. There's definitely question marks in the Chiefs secondary, but when Mahomes is your quarterback, you don't have to be. You can't. If you're mediocre, uh, you can live with that. And I think the Chiefs might be a bit below average, but I don't think it's going to be so bad where they're holding the entire team back. I. Defense wins championships, and I. But offense wins games. So offense I don't. I, like, wins games. I think. The defense isn't going to hold them back from getting to the championship. It's just all about when they get there. Yeah. Can they be good enough? Can they be good enough? Which and we've seen they can. Even last year, they weren't terrible, but bad offensive line play, a few drops, and things kind of started to spiral out of control in that Super Bowl against the Bucks. But Chiefs weren't... Chiefs even, even last Super Bowl wasn't terrible until things kind of, you know, again, spun out of control. Right. So again, it's Super Bowl or bust, but they're... There's things to be excited about here. There're not very many question marks, but with with some of some of them there are definitely some things to watch. Right. Now the Los Angeles Chargers, a team that both of us we talked about before the podcast are very excited about, led by second-year quarterback Justin Herbert, and like the Chiefs, the biggest question was the offensive line. Chargers like the Chiefs, pretty complete team, especially offensively. Well, in the off-season, both the Chiefs and the Chargers addressed their needs along the offensive line. We kind of just outlined what the Chiefs did. Chargers drafting Rashawn Slater, signing Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, they Brian Bulaga, kind of lost season, I feel like, was kind of on and off the field. He's back. This Chargers offensive line, uh, I'm not going to go out and say it's one of the best in the league like I did the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs offensive line right now, I like it more than the Chargers. But Justin Herbert had a you know, rookie record-breaking season with one of the worst offensive lines in football. And now, all of a sudden, I think it's an offensive line that can potentially be above average. So you have an above-average offensive line. Austin Eckler is healthy. Remember, he missed a good chunk of last year due to injury. You have guys like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen 
This Chargers offense, I think, has the potential to be one of the best offenses and one of the most explosive offenses, you know, right up there with the Kansas State Chiefs. And the defense, you know, there's going to be a bit of a question mark on the edge uh, opposite of Joey Bosa. I think Joey Bosa is going to have, you know, another great season. He's established himself as one of the better edge defenders in the class. And, you know, no more Casey Hayward. So there's going to be some, you know, Asante Samuel I really like, but he is a rookie. There's always questions with rookies coming into the NFL, especially at the cornerback position. So there's definitely some questions along the Chargers defense. Can Derwin James stay healthy? He's another one. But I think this Chargers defense has more upside than the Chiefs defense. And I think the Chargers offense, although it might be a tick below the Chiefs, I expect Tristan Herbert to have a breakthrough year. And, you know, break breakthrough year. He threw for 31 touchdowns last year. But uh, I, I have big expectations for the Chargers. I think this is a team that... Yeah, if it weren't for Mahomes, I'd pick them to win the division. I, it's gonna, they're gonna be a very good wild card team. I absolutely agree with everything you said. Everything you said, I think you outlined it uh, perfect. This is my dark horse Super Bowl pick, uh, especially coming out of the AFC. I really, really like this team. I think this is the team. I, th- I think this team is probably, I'm, I think, gonna get the sixth seed. Not the fifth, because I think Baltimore is going to win more games in the regular season. Right, because you have Cleveland win the division, and I and I had Baltimore win the division. I, right. I think the Chargers can outdo Cleveland. I really do. I think the Chargers, I know maybe I'm getting a little too low on Cleveland, and I really do like the Browns this year, but I think the Chargers can outdo Cleveland. And, you know, obviously it's going to be tough facing the Chiefs twice this year, but I think the Chargers cannot possibly outdo Cleveland by a game or so. I think they will in the playoffs. I think they'll win. I think they'll win a playoff game or two. And I really, really. If like these two them. teams are playing each other, Browns Chargers, I know who are you picking? I I think I think I would pick the Chargers. You would, but okay. I think it's I think it's close. I think this is I think the Chargers are a team that's more built for the playoffs mm-hmm. and have a much higher have a higher ceiling. But the Browns, I think, they're a team that's going to win a lot of games and they have a higher. Floor. And it's mainly just because of the quarterback. I think that Justin Herbert can be explosive. He can be dynamic. And Baker Mayfield is, is I don't know, a system guy seems a little bit harsh, but it's a, it's a play, he's a play-action guy, running game. You know, he gets the ball out quickly in the pocket and off the shotgun. You don't see him making these kind of beautiful throws the that Chargers Justin Herbert makes. Kind of walk, we talked about with the Dolphins and other, uh, other teams. The Chargers are going to win games because of Justin Herbert. Exactly. We talked about Dolphins. They might win with Tua. Browns, they might win with Baker Mayfield. Chargers are going to win not just with Justin Herbert. They're going to win because of Justin Herbert. Not just this year, but in my mind for the foreseeable future. I absolutely agree. I'm really excited. I think we both are about this Chargers team. and uh, I'm You can't help but kind of root for them a little bit. Right. Well, them and their 10 fans. <laughs> they need all all the support they uh they can get. In my mind, I love I love it. You know, good for them for moving to LA. I feel like I don't know if they should have moved out of San Diego though, when they were had that established fan base. Yeah, I think that was a really poor decision uh, by the owner. But you know, I I hey, think... hey you're in LA, you might make a little more money. Yeah, yeah. So. Let's go now to the Raiders and Broncos, and I kind of group these two teams together because I like both of these teams, but I really don't know where to put them in terms of wins and losses. I think these are two teams that should be average. I think they both have strengths, but they both have question marks in terms of how high they really can go. Drew Locke looked fantastic in the preseason, but the Vikings sat most of their stars, or starters, I should say, on defense. 
I think the Broncos are one of the more complete teams in the NFL, but I just think there's a question mark at quarterback. I know Teddy Bridgewater is there. I personally expect Drew Locke to be named the starter when all is said and done. I, I love Denver's offense, though, uh, with Cortland Sutton back, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy. I think KJ Hamler is going to have a really big year as well, stretching down the field. They kind of have a little everything. Great route running, big body guy in Fant, speed in Hamler, obviously the route runner. I was talking about Judy and another kind of big body receiver in Cortland Sutton. Defensively, they upgraded the secondary. They signed, uh, I believe, Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and they drafted Patrick Sertan. Uh pick six against Minnesota in the preseason. I think there might be a bit of a learning curve, but I really like what he brings immediately to the table. And then obviously you're getting Von Miller back. What is he going to be like coming off his major injury? Hasn't played in, what, two years? But I think I really like Bradley Chubb as well to the point where I don't think all the pressure is going to be on Von Miller. So Broncos, very complete team. There's just a question of what type of consistency and production are you getting out of the quarterback position? Whether it's Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Yeah, I think the Broncos do come in third in this division. In my opinion, I think they do win around seven games. Um, but I I do think the quarterback position is a question mark, and I think that Drew Locke is named the starter. I think Teddy Bridgewater does take over, though. I like him just a little bit better. Uh, he hasn't provided quite the dynamic playmaking ability of Locke, but he does provide the consistency and the ability to kind of... Uh, he won't lose you the game, Alex. And I think uh, you can't really say the same about Drew Locke at times. Um, but I, I really do also like this defense. I think uh, Patrick Sertan was a very good pick. I, uh, you got Chubb Miller coming off the edge. And, of course, you have Justin Simmons there as well. You, right. you've, you've really got uh, some playmakers on that side of the ball. So I expect this team to be competitive. Once they get a stable quarterback there, we could be really talking about the NFC West and the AFC West, two of these powerhouse divisions being the two best. And I guess one more thing about Drew Locke in Denver is if Drew Locke does not take that next step, we can't fault Denver for saying, well, they didn't provide him talent. I know that offensive line might not be the best, but Garrett Bowles took a big step in his uh, in his latest year. That offensive line, I think, can be meh and average with great receiving options. I mean, Denver's re- Denver has all types of receivers, all shapes and sizes. So I think they've—Broncos, you know, George Payton out of the GM before John Elway— Broncos have done a good job of at least setting Drew Locke up to succeed, and now it's up for Drew Locke for kind of taking the next step and proving John Elway right. I think I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and I think it could also be a make-or-break year for Vic Fangio, who, with their locker room issues behind the scenes last year with him and some of the players. So, I don't know. Vic Fangio, I think, could also be coaching for his job. Great defense of mine has not proven it yet as a head coach. Agreed. So now let's go to the Las Vegas Raiders. Finally, fans are allowed in their brand new stadium in Las Vegas. I know that'll be fun. The Raiders, I feel like they're tough to make because they have a, I feel like a decent, they have a good offense. I like their offense. Um, Derek Carr, I think he's a good quarterback. Not great, though. I don't think there's anything special about Derek Carr. He's a quarterback that, yeah, maybe you can win with, but not because. Henry Ruggs has been a disappointment. They've really drafted really poorly. I loved the Cleo Mack trade 
getting that value for him, I actually, you know, looking back was was pretty good, the two first rounders and then some. But they've just done a terrible job of maximizing picks. Number four overall, Cleveland Furl. First rounder, Damon Arnett, taking Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Abram, just positions just that aren't valuable. They're not prioritizing the right positions. And when they do prioritize the right position, it just seems like they're not taking the right player. So I, I don't know if that's Mike Mayock and scouting. I don't know if that's Gruden, whoever it is. It just seems the Raiders just have not capitalized on great drafting. And in my mind, they're just a mediocre team, which is maybe the one of the worst places to be. Yeah, this. Let me just say this: this the defense is terrible. It's not good. I like Max Crosby. I think we do have to give yeah, credit. That's one player. Yannick Ngakwe. He's who can who has a lot of potential. Like the defense, like, he didn't produce last. The defense, he didn't. No, he is. didn't. And he was moved. He was traded Minnesota and then Baltimore. The defense line can be solid, but um, that secondary is putrid. It's atrocious. It's putrid, it's led by you know Damon Arnett, who was a first round pick. It's yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They had. They've had the utility. It's. It's. They've had the resources and just haven't capitalized on it. Exactly. I think you said it. I. I really do like this Raiders offense. I'm just. I don't think this defense is is good enough for them to beat out a team that's and the Broncos for the third place. That's so complete. And keep in mind, they had a good offensive line last year, but they let go of Ronnie Hudson. He's now with the Cardinals. They've kind of just tore down the whole offensive line for some reason. So I expect that offensive line to be worse as well. You know, Trent Brown wasn't great. The contract was probably obviously an overpay, but he wasn't terrible. But now he's back in New England. They really tore down the offensive line. So I expect that a strength of the team to now be worse and maybe a possible weakness. I completely agree. So, Shai, let's now pick our MVPs. We kind of... Touched upon it before we record before uh, we recorded the podcast. I'll let you go first. Your MVP prediction, your 2021 NFL MVP prediction, also known as the best quarterback award, essentially, is. I do think it's gonna be Josh Allen. I I I know it. It's, it kind of seems like an obvious pick, but I I think that this the Bills. I think are my Super Bowl pick right now. Interesting. Over the Chargers, uh, over the Chiefs. Yeah, and I, I think Josh Allen will continue to... I think if he plays the way he played last season, that will be enough for him to win the MVP award uh, with them you know, continuing that level of play. Um, that's that essentially I, behind it. I think... Uh, I, I, they're, they're, I think Russell Wilson's always going to be in the conversation. He's never received a single MVP vote, which is... Pretty surprising and something that he definitely deserves. You know, or he definitely deserves an MVP vote, I should say. Yeah, at uh, least one. I mean, absolutely, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, yeah, he's gonna be in that conversation. I think there's Matt Stafford's gonna be in that conversation with the Rams. Yeah. Um, but I think I think Allen. It seems like the safe pick, but I really do think that is what's going to happen. But, and I I know we've talked about your pick a little bit. I let I, let me hear. I mean, I. I think, I, I mean, look, it. Josh Allen probably is a favorite right now, and I usually don't, I don't, I don't like to pick the favorite. I like to be a little different. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. I think he had such a great year last year, now coming into his second year, and oh yeah, the one weakness of the Chargers, the offensive line, is now much improved and maybe a strength now. I love Justin Herbert and what the Chargers have done as a whole. I think Justin Herbert is potentially going to get even better, which is hard to believe given what he did last year. 
he made a couple of boneheaded interceptions, and I think just him developing, him becoming a smarter player, he'll clean that up. Justin Herbert, little unorthodox, he's my MVP pick. I can get behind it. So that's gonna do it for this edition, the NFC or the NFC preview or AFC. Excuse me, we record the NFC preview earlier. So see you next time on Game Time Podcast.